is who you know, and I'm Dmitry Samarov. All old hat, old news to you all by now. Today, uh, I talked to the writer Scott McClanahan uh, about movies, music, uh, many different topics. Uh, I guess I wanted to talk to him about his books, but we didn't do that, which is, it's totally fine. It was... Uh, it's a pretty great all over the place kind of conversation, the kind of conversation I've always wanted to have with him, I think, and finally did. Um, if you even like it a tenth of as much as I did, uh, you're in for a treat. I'm no Phil Spector. I've de- I've learned that over the last couple of months trying to do this thing. <laughs> how long have you do- How long have you done this podcast? Well, I've done this podcast, a podcast of some kind, uh, f- since 2018. Okay, I've just been fucking around with it, but what it mostly was was just audio I recorded, like for uh, interviews and stuff, because I don't know how to take notes. Yeah, so yeah. so I would just get a digital recorder. Uh, and just tape somebody talking and then I would just either transcribe or write something, you know, for for articles. Or if I was doing like a live, you know, like a book reading or interview thing and I would just do that and post it or increasingly during like the lockdown pandemic times, I was reading sections of stuff I was working on or like Russian poems and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just just posting it, (laughs) posting it just because <laughs> yeah oh, that's cool that's cool you're not still driving a cab are you no no uh i'm about to celebrate 10 years of not driving a cab that's what i thought that's what i thought that maybe when i around the time i first met you you were getting ready to you'd either just finished up or you were talking about finishing i'd, up, I'd, so. I'd quit i'd quit we i was trying to uh yeah re, retrace the timeline and uh we met uh at city lit books in logan square where uh, we read on a, a thing together. Yeah, yeah. Which would be like 2014, I think. Yeah, I think I remember Somewhere that. in there, 13 or 14, because, yeah. And you you and uh, Julia were coming through town. You had just gotten married. Oh, that's right. Okay, well, see, one of the problems I always have with Chicago is I've read so many times there. Like, yeah. I, it's just kind yeah. of a blur. So, like, yeah, yeah. They, they all kind of morph. So, yeah, I completely remember that. You're blur. on the road trip coming back east. Yeah, from, that's right. From California, you just yeah. got married. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> I re- and yeah, I remember you in the parking lot, like, and you were all sweaty in the cu- changing shirts <laughs> out in the parking lot afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's used- the only the only time we ever met in person. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to sweat so much. I don't think I sweat as much now. No. I'm like bra- I'm like bragging to you, Dimitri. <laughs> Good. <laughs> No, no. If 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 you if you have a secret, share it with me off mic. <laughs> like you knew me at a very sweaty, sweaty time of my life. <laughs> I did. Uh, it was well. It it was a sobering. Uh, as as somebody that had just started doing readings later in life, uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was an amazing thing and uh, made me feel like a real rank amateur. Oh uh, yeah, well that's that's the way to be though. Like I think that I think that's the best <laughs> attitude to have. Yeah, is, like always, always an amateur. The thing is, yeah, j- like you're asking about the podcast. Like all this, like the years of lockdown, I've 
spent all this time talking into a mic to nobody. And I finally, finally, like in the last year or two, arrived at a cadence that I can not completely hate. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was. It's, it's so strange now that, <laughs> you know, there's you know, your personalities kind of lived in these boxes uh, as well. Cause see, you know, I deal with the, the Zoom stuff through school. And I think like, I'm a completely different teacher on Zoom than I was Are you? When, we were, when we were actually in the in the classroom, and I think it may have to do with just something as simple as as simple as like you know, kind of creating a a, a cadence. It it is. Uh, I I always. I mean, I hated doing those live readings because I felt like I was rushing and I didn't, and I would stumble over my words and then get self conscious about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I never, I don't think I ever conceived of the stuff I wrote uh, to be read out loud. Uh, and it's such a different thing. And I'm, I have such, such respect for performers of, of any kind. They yeah, get on sure. stages that I, I just felt that was shitty that I was taking up room on a stage that should be for, for professionals. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. I, I completely, I completely know what you mean. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So then for, for whatever stupid reason, I decided uh, a few months ago to make this podcast thing a, a more regular thing. And what I wanted to do was long form interviews with people whose work I admire or people I knew that I could have some kind of weird rambling conversation with. Yeah. And that's what it's become. And it's just become a whole fucking, I, I sent out invites to like 30 people and they all said, yes. Oh which, gosh. Which shot, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, a, these are the, like the problem, like you can't bitch about that, but th this means I, you know, there's a lot of work to do <laughs> because I, I told, I fully expected like three people to say yes. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so now I've got I've got shows banked shows I've already recorded. I'm into August now. I'm posting oh, that's them amazing. One, posting them once a week. Uh, and it's been fun. And there's been a lot of learning curve, especially on the tech technology side. Yeah. Uh, I've recorded ones where I only record my end of the conversation. I record ones where there's some kind of problem on their mic and they can't hear it, but I can hear it. And then I go to edit the audio and it's, I can't post that because it's, it's horrible. You oh, know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shit like that. But it's, it's been fun. It's been interesting. I don't know. Uh, once I get through with this, the, this like initial round of all the people that said, yes, I'll, I'll take a look and see what the point of this is. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. <laughs> There's gotta be some kind of point. I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to become, terry gross or something <laughs> yeah you know it's nice i know just like the past i've i don't really do you know a whole lot of interviews anymore but every now and then the past couple times that i've done it like it's nice just to have a conversation with somebody and like you find out what they've been reading or find out what they've been yeah what they've been watching you know so, so it's, it's nice just for you know personal personal reason oh for sure yeah and there's i that part of that is definitely probably for a lot of people connected with the lockdown stuff where yeah. people felt isolated and maybe that's why everybody said yes, that I asked. I'm it not could sure. be it could either be. that or it's just my, you know, world famous charm. I don't know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> everybody just wants to talk to Dimitri. Like, 
Mr. Life of the Party. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Are, are you, you're, st- you're still writing for Chicago Reader? Isn't that who you're yeah. writing for? Yeah. I'm still writing for the Reader. It's crazy that the Reader still exists. They just had... They celebrated a big win just this week. They became a nonprofit. They've been trying to become a nonprofit for a while. And this like millionaire guy that had funded them was holding them up and finally gave in and like let him go. So so we'll we'll see. I mean, the the reader is kind of a unicorn. It's this, you know, it's an alt weekly, uh, which is a thing from you know, the eighties and seventies and the nineties, there are none left. Like they're the only game in town in that format. So uh, we'll see how much I'm continually amazed that they exist at all. So yeah, I still, yeah, I just looked up actually right before we came on uh, because I reviewed the Sarah book in the reader and that was, but that was five years ago. (laughs) Yeah. I know it's been a while and it has been a while. Yeah. So I mean, I, I imagine you've been working on other stuff, right? Or yeah, I mean, that's yeah. kind of been that's kind of been my plan. Is that I, I mean, I I know you know people do that, you know, one book right after another thing uh, mm-hmm. in terms in terms of publishing, but uh, just just for some reason, you know, I don't know. Around the time the book came out, I was just I was just getting a little burnt out mm-hmm. uh, from just pub- publishing in general. So I just decided to do something you know, a little bit different. And, uh, you know, what I did, you know, cause I published, I think, I think there's five books from 2012 to 2017. Mm-hmm. And I think the only, really the only years that, I that I missed, I think it was 2014, 2015. I didn't have anything come out. Yeah. That's but, a, uh, that's a pretty good steady clip. Yeah. But you know, most of the, most of that writing was kind of done, I don't know, within the decade before it started coming out or at least within, you know, the five to six years, yeah, uh, period of time before it started coming out, and so I just, I just thought, you know, I, I you know, I, I want to write a great book. <laughs> you know, I want to yeah. write a great book still, and I want to write a couple of, a couple of great, great books. So I just decided to like pull back from, just the rigmarole of, uh, of pub, you know, of publishing. And I think I was getting to the point too where I was getting popular enough that it was getting to be a little bit kind of over, overwhelming for me, and so it was like mm-hmm. more of more of my time budgeted you know people oh, like me. like people were making demands on you and, yeah and yeah for sure and well and also like some just um you're gonna turn one of my books into a tv show for mm-hmm. a couple of years yeah you know i've had some really great opportunities i'm not i'm not sitting here yeah. complaining about it but of course um it was i i wanted i wanted to, to have some time to become a different person again you know mm. And not keep kind of pulling from that same well that I've been pulling from for uh, five or five or six years. You know, there's nothing worse than I think. I don't know. And writers that I love too. I don't know, like Henry Miller. You know, mm-hmm. like there's you know, after after a couple of books, it's kind of it's like it's, it's sort of watered down Miller in some in some way. Or and I mean, I, I could probably. Yeah. For me, actually, revisit one of my pandemic reads was like, you know, I tried to reread some books that were I knew had been important to me as a young person. Yeah. And I reread Tropic of Cancer and just fucking loved it. But also was I was horrified by realizing how much I had lifted from him without knowing it. Yeah, Uh, because, well, I hadn't the the, the thing my project then was I was reading books that meant a lot to me before I'd written anything. Because I, yeah. I got into writing much later in life. 
I was always a painter, you know, yeah, like, yeah. it's still my main thing, but uh, I just couldn't believe like there's these like just offhand phrases and I fucking use them. Oh, that's hilarious. And I read Tropic of Cancer as like a 50 year old, almost, yes. you know, almost 50 yeah. year old. I was like, motherfucker. Oh, but then so I tried it and I loved, loved revisiting that book. But then I tried to read something else by him and it was just not as good. So yeah, I, and I I just quit. It's like I don't want to fuck up the the new good memory. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny Miller. that you it's funny that you mentioned that. Like I actually have a memory. I think I was in tenth or eleventh grade when I bought my copy of Tropic of Cancer, and I found wow. it in yeah. uh, a bookstore at, at the mall and where I live now in Beckley called Bookland, mm. <laughs> and they used to have like a wide like variety of like classic type books. And it was in like a cheap paperback, like Bantam classics uh, yes. so, sort of, sort of version. I can remember, I could remember buying that and I'd heard about it before too. So it was like, Ooh, and, and I can remember being kind of strangely at the time. I don't know, maybe a little, little bit dis- disappointed, even though I love that. I love that book, but you know, when you build something up into your mind, of course, uh, for, for, for so many, for so many. Well, let's years. see, what year would that have been? For that would have been for... 90, 95, 94. Yeah. Right. So, but, well, you would have had exposure to all kinds of like pornography and shit. So Henry Miller wouldn't be so shocking, I guess. Yeah, of course not. Of course <laughs> not. Yeah. And even then, that, you know, that was like such a different, you know, to think about the ages of time now, which through pornography, which I guess the historians of the future will, that was yeah. during that age of. Uh, of pornography so yeah I'd, I'd already kind of gone through the beats and that's probably where i'd kind of found out uh, yeah, the, yeah yeah the beats about henry, wouldn't, about yeah, henry wouldn't have happened history. without henry miller right yeah so you worked backwards like yeah I, I probably i'm trying to remember if i read bukowski before miller or one way or the other would have been around a similar time you know yeah i know i know bukowski led me to saline for sure in high school you know like do you ever have a a saline period <laughs> oh for sure yeah for sure yeah exactly but saline came straight out of bukowski for me in high yeah. school you know like and see i'm trying to think too there was you know there's that list i don't know if i'd read that book because i remember you know that new directions put out henry miller's the books of my life you know mm. i think it's from like the 19 i want to say it's from like the 1950s you know post some of the, the okay. big, big novels and i think that that's where i first found out about saline through through that book but it may oh, it may have been it may have been Bukowski though too. Well, you, you know, uh, Bukowski was always like shit on everybody else, but one of the few people he didn't shit on was was Celine. You know? Yeah, and John John Fante or yeah, however, Fante, however yeah, yeah, Fante. Who I, who yeah. I don't like. I don't. I've I tried don't, Fante. <laughs> you know who's really good is his son who died recently, Dan Fante. Okay, all right. Dan Fante. I love because he wrote a lot about being like a limo driver and he was a cab driver and he was this guy who he's kind of a fuck up and he lived in the shadow of his asshole abusive father, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and he wrote a book, a kind of a memoir called Fonte. It's one of his last books. I know that. I know that book. So I, yeah. I read that book. I think I <laughs> okay. picked that up at, at a Barnes and Noble. Mm hmm uh which would have which would have been sometime in the in the 2000s yeah i mean that that book is from the last 10 15 years yeah for sure yeah, because he yeah. he only died in the last five ten years uh, dan fante yeah. yeah well see i may even be i may even be thinking of a john fante bi- biography that came out 
okay. Uh, well, where yeah. Where he's st- talking in that biography a little bit. I may not have even read that book that you're mentioning. Yeah, this book, Font, I think it's just called Fonte. I'm, I may be wrong, but it's written by his son. And yeah. it, it sort of incorporates a lot like what it was like to grow up with him. And and then, yeah, he was, it was not a not a walk in the park. Yeah. But, yeah. Have you seen uh, the Robert Town directed Ask the Dust? Yeah. Yeah. With uh, what's his face? Uh, yeah. Colin, Fer- Colin, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's fun. I, you know, yeah. Some of that stuff just it doesn't date well for whatever reason. I've tried Fonte a few times unsuccessfully no yeah and I, I agree with you too i think i don't know if it's something like uh, I, I always remember you know like strunk and white you can talk about language in their their little book you know the college college freshmen get you know mm. not to use not to use language that will immediately become dated and there's something i don't know like 1930s like movie dialogue that's mm-hmm. in quite a, in quite a few of those writers uh, yeah. from, from that time where you know you could almost hear like John Garfield or you know Humphrey Bogart or, or somebody you know kind of yeah that kind of yeah, yeah that kind of smart alecky patter kind of yeah thing. there's yeah there's like a patter to it and there's like a stylization too and yeah in the way that in the way that they write write dialogue it, yeah there's a lot of books like that that don't age well where or they they write in like what the writer thinks is like some kind of regional dialect Oh yeah, for sure. And it's yeah. just—it's really fucking cringeworthy. Uh, well, I mean, there you get into racist stuff, but even not even racist stuff, like where you get a, a city person that tries to write what a country person oh, yeah, talks yeah, yeah. that like. And we do, we, yeah, we deal with that, you know, in West Virginia as well. You know, we've had that. Um, <laughs> uh, James Kane, you know, the guy that wrote uh, Postman Always yeah, yeah. Rings Twice, he wrote a lot about West Virginia. He did not have a good time here. I think he was covering uh labor strikes or or something along something along those lines so he spent so he spent a period of time so we have kane who else is you know erskine caldwell of course he's writing about a different you know north georgia i think you know there's something there is something so kind of fascinating about the way that writers were using were using dialect for you know decades you know in the early in the early part Maybe, maybe it grows out of mark twain or something yeah, there's well, yeah, because there's people that are masters at it, you know, yeah, like Mark, Mark yeah. Twain, like it works because maybe he he didn't invent that, but he he definitely used that a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, something about and maybe that's it's a thing of an outsider trying to. Yeah, I don't know, catch some some the rhythm of some something they don't really understand. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, uh, but yeah, that's not a, I wouldn't say that's a blanket rule. There's... Yeah. I used to do that though, too. I think when I first started writing, like I did, I did a little bit of that, like even in my own, uh, even in my own writing, there's a, there's a really great West. Well, she's a great writer, but she's from West Virginia, uh, Jane Ann Phillips. And I remember mm-hmm. sending her when I was in college, a story of mine uh-huh. and she, uh, and she wrote me back a real, a real nice little, real nice yeah she was just like don't do the dialect thing like yeah and and i think she explained it through faulkner you know just like do the dialect but just use the words yeah and and through the organization of the sentence you'll be able to convey what it is that you're trying to do yeah because through through this dialect it comes out as this corn pone like well it it comes out as you know what is like blackface you know kind of of course yeah yeah of course (laughs) Yeah. what blackface does for, yeah. for black people like that yeah. that's what it becomes uh 
you see that in a lot of like old movies where they get you know the kind of beverly hillbillies thing you know, yeah and, oh of course but, like, yeah. but on a literary level though <laughs> yeah no no for sure for sure and it's also you know i mentioned the erskine caldwell you know it's it, i would like to know how many copies i can remember you know tobacco road was i think his you know his major oh right okay major book you know how how many millions i can remember my great aunt nell having a copy of tobacco road and to my mother that was like her tropic of cancer where it was really like a, yeah, it was like a dirty book you know it was a book for it was a book for adults you know that mm. uh that her aunt nell and that was uh, a was that a Robert Mitchum movie or a... I, I don't think Robert John no. Ford made Tobacco Road, but I don't oh, okay. think that Robert Mitchum is in no. uh, uh, Tobacco Road. Somebody, he's in, I know he's in a, a movie, film there. called Thunder Road. Oh, OK. That's what I'm. That's what Springsteen. Get, yeah, 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 that's where Springsteen got the title from. It's from that oh, okay. movie. Yeah. He's oh, really? Big Mitch, yeah. He's a big Mitchum nut. Yeah. And, I think and, Robert Mitchum directed that movie. I think that's Robert Mitchum's only. Um, oh, really? Yeah, okay. I think that's his only directing credit is Thunder Th- Road. Oh, wow. And then weirdly, like then uh, Sean Penn made that movie that uh, Indian Runner. Yeah, the Indian which Runner, is based yeah. on a Springs on. Uh, yeah, yeah. On Highway, Highway Patrolman. Yeah. yeah. And he he told, uh, yeah, there's an interview with him where he says, like, he, you know, he was this young. He was still just an actor. And he told Springsteen, like, he was going to make this movie. And, you know, Springsteen kind of laughed it off. And then he made it. And then, you know, Springsteen actually liked it because it's a yeah. really good movie. It's a it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it for I haven't seen it in a couple of years. But I remember that's probably I didn't even know who he was. Even looking back, I'm like, Vigo Mortensen was in that. Like, I think yeah. And uh, David Morris. David, David Morse, who I know Sean Penn's like nuts about David Morse. Yeah. David Morse is one of the great. No, uh, yeah. I mean, Sean Penn's a deeply flawed person, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he, he sure he makes some fucking good movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, really funny. Harry, yeah, yeah. Harry Cruz is in uh, that movie, too. You know, the he writer. Is? Really? Cruz. Yeah. He's the old man towards the towards the beginning. He's singing in the jailhouse. I think he's singing oh, wow. John singing john henry i think i he's did just, not realize he's, he's only in it for about 30 45 seconds but okay. he's, in, he's in the movie that's awesome that's yeah I, I could see why like somebody like sean penn would do that uh <laughs> i actually have a story about robert mitchum on thunder road that just suddenly popped into my head cool <laughs> I'm I'm all of yeah I love Robert Mitchell. my my mother my mother that's that's her actor you know she's she's from that age you know where it was like movie stars you know you're it of wasn't course. like di- directors it was you know who your yeah. favorite favorite movie stars and she was a big Robert Robert Mitchum nut but anyway I got her biography for her birthday mm. this is this has been probably a decade or so ago and it was kind of a shitty biography you know one of those sure. biographies that you know probably was written in about you know three months of uh if that yeah but there by, was some, a sto- by some hack yeah yeah by some hack and there was uh there was a story about robert mitchum that his wife uh-huh his wife told so i guess mitchum was like messing around with some somebody on the set um and his wife shows up and is going to stay with him for the rest of the movie shoot well anyway i guess one it was the, on the day she arrived They'd went out and Mitchum just got hammered. Yeah. He got, he got so drunk uh, that I think I've ruined the story by giving away that it's the wife who's telling it. That's okay. Anyway, in the middle of the night, she wakes up and he's jumping out the window. 
because he's got the days confused and he thinks his wife's going to be there the next day. <laughs> doesn't doesn't want to be caught yeah, in yeah. the bed of another of another woman who he's and and then of course you know the wife tells it in an incredibly humorous mm. uh, humorous sort of fashion. But yeah, Robert Mitchell on Thunder Road story. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's definitely one of a kind. He's he's one of those actors where you know he just comes on screen and it's like a different movie. It's he's always in his own movie. That's the Robert Mitchum movie. Yeah, exactly. You know? I know. Totally, he's got his totally. he's got his own uh, whatever wavelength or something. Yeah, there's a Jim Jarmusch, you know, because see, he's in Dead Man. I think that's one of his right. Yeah, like one, one of, of his, his last, last one. Yeah. Per, you know performances. But I guess I heard in some Criterion extra, and he said they were asking about working with Robert Mitchum. He's like, well, it was really intimidating, but he's like, I got to know him. And he was, you know, he, he once you got to know him, he, he wasn't, it wasn't so intimidating. He didn't feel like he was so grumpy all the time, but Robert Mitchum told him a story about making his first million dollars. Went out and bought a, bought some horse ranch out around LA. And he said, mm -hmm. you know, you know what you, what you bought when you bought a million dollar horse ranch. And Jim Jarmusch was like, no. And Robert Mitchum <laughs> says, you bought a million dollars worth of horse shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> there's a great, there's a, I, I don't want to turn this into a Robert Mitchum podcast, but, but, uh, why not? Uh, yeah, exactly. There's, there's a great Dick Cavett uh episode with robert mitchum if you haven't uh watched it dimitri you should no, look it I, up i think no. i think it's on youtube just search robert mitchum yeah. uh dick cavett and you should probably be able to find about the full i think it's about 45 minutes somewhere somewhere around okay there, but yeah. it's, it's an amazing it's an amazing interview no i'll, I'll look it up for sure yeah. that's crazy that they used to have you know tv shows when somebody like that would talk on tv for 45 minutes I know, I know. You know. I think you know Dick Cavett had everybody on that show. I know, I know. Everybody he was, was on that was show. A, but yeah, the, I mean, that was a time when there was, you know, you could, TV was still for some sort, like even faintly intellectual or like I don't know. Yeah. There was, there was actual culture happening. They yeah. thought that it was for some reason, except for just like advice, you know, yeah. like ways yeah. To sell. Do you, do you think people were more interesting back then? <laughs> i wonder because because i don't know if i would sit and watch like there's a dick cavett from after he stopped i think the main show on abc i think he did another mm -hmm. show towards the middle part late part of the 1970s and he did an he did two nights with richard burton oh. and it's it's like watching literature you know just i just, bet this coal miners kid and i could yeah. not imagine sitting and watching an actor from 2022 and uh, and yeah. listening, listening to any of their any of their stories, it's well, actors especially. I mean, actors are so bizarre uh, psychologically because you know what they have to do to be good at what they're doing is to become someone else. So then, yeah, and there, so many of them are just are they ha they have to be empty vessels. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So then, what what's what's left in there? So uh, it's it's kind of amazing, but also with the oversaturation of social media and everything you know they share everything all the time so there's nothing so. left yeah i think i so. have that and I, and I don't know if social media is such a like a narrative sort of art it's so like fragmented and 
like those, you know, to tell, you know, to sit with somebody for 45 minutes, yeah. like they're going to have to have some great ass stories, you know, for, to keep a, to keep an audience's uh, attention. I sometimes, well, I, I sometimes wonder if it's like world war two stuff as well. Like I love Lee Marvin and in interviews. Oh well, yeah. And it's just like, it, is it because these, these folks, you know, live through something, something like that, that, you know, they were, they were more compelling in terms of, you know, who they, Maybe, who they were or whatever. I think a lot of it though, is like you were saying about social media is built for such little chunks. I mean, now it's smaller and smaller because yeah. now, you know, TikTok is really the, the set would, yeah, TikTok is only, I think it's one minute is the, is the limit on TikTok. It's very, very short. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, or like, you know, Twitter with the, I don't know what it's over 200 characters. Now I quit, I quit Twitter in 2015. So yeah. I, don't, I don't even fucking know what it is now, but uh, yeah, at that, at that under, under those severe restrictions, like, you know, it's, you can't keep paying attention. So you know, something like this, like the conversation you and I are now having is the opposite of that. But I'm, you know, we're both also from different, a different time. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've even noticed the social media stuff in like the music. I think that there's like a different, even because I listen to Spotify all the time. Mm. And like, I think there's like a different sort of thing in, in putting a song on Spotify than there would be if you're, well, I don't know if you're in a room in Chicago and you got to get a bunch of people to dance, you know, circa 1959 or 1960. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think I was just talking about how, like, even listening to artists on Spotify, like there's this oh, new yeah. artist. I don't know if you've heard of her, her name's Ethel Kane. I was just reading about her. What, yeah, what, do, you, she, what do you think of that? I, I read a long article somewhere. I, I'm i intrigued, but then I put the music on and I I. It uh, didn't do much for me. I, I know. Don't know. I feel the same. Uh, her, she put out an EP uh, that uh, I think last last year or anyway, it's it's uh, that I liked a little bit more. But it was it, that's sort of you know where it's, it's this kind of image, uh, yeah. you know, white trash. Land yeah, this kind of dirt bag, kind of like homemade tattoo thing. Yeah, but then and, then you listen to the music and it's like, oh gosh, this is just feels kind of like this is kind of like pop. You know, yeah. like not, and it, she's like a Taylor are, Swift. Type, yeah, she's yeah. Like where a the Taylor songs Swift are so long, it's just like, is that a Spotify thing? Where this is like mood music now, in in many, oh, in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah the 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 music the music is definitely changing. I think also because all the people coming up that have been in the internet age their whole life. They have access to all the music from all of history. Yeah. They make, mix and match it in this way of out of all context. I so know. It, they're such weird hybrids of things yeah. uh, that make no fucking sense. Not that, you know, I come from the, the age of fucking wax cylinders, but still, you know. Yeah, what I mean? of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another there's another artist. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Tovey Lowe, I think is the way that she says her. You should look up some of her videos on on YouTube. I think she's she's Norwegian or Swedish. Oh, okay, I don't know that my, one. Yeah, Julie and I we've been watching like her her videos in the of the evening. It's super pop, you know, like it's yeah. like pop pop music. But there's something there's something compelling uh, about the whole package, you know. The, yeah. Well, what? I, yeah, I mean, she's super huge now. But you know, Billie Eilish. That's 
that's the one that you know i i read about you know because i'm old i read about billy eilish in the fucking new york times yeah that's yeah. how that's how i found out about billy eilish you know yeah and then i played you know i i was until six months ago i was bartending uh part-time very part-time but i would play that and i like i like that that big the, her big album i don't and then she put out the newer thing and i'm not into that but i don't know but she's definitely like this weird creature of the internet age yeah totally totally i did i I, I was into billy eilish for a little bit my daughter i'm kind of you know when you have kids now like if she for some reason that uh that first album, there were a couple of songs on there. She's like, "This is scary." Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, didn't see. So oh, you really? Never, you never. Yeah, you never listen to it again. I had something funny happen last year. You know, at the end, you know, and Spotify does those uh, playlist things and you know, tells you what you've what you've listened to throughout the year. Uh-huh. My top, my top song was Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas Is You." Really? Yes. Because <laughs> my dog. My daughter was listening. She like she went through this phase around Christmas time where she was just like listening to that song, uh, that song on repeat. So it's yeah. <laughs> we oh okay. So it wasn't yours. It's just that your daughter was listening. She was listening to it all the time. How how, how old is post. how old is she? How old is she? Uh, well, she's with the, I think when that happened, I think she was nine, getting ready to turn yeah. ten. She when she thought it. that like billy and she thought billy eilish yeah it was a little too was scary. scary yeah it was a little too scary for her back then who knows what she'd think what she'd think today yeah uh yeah i mean there's there's some yeah it's sort of creepy music that that billy eilish music yeah <laughs> i don't know uh but yeah the the frame of reference for all of it is just all over the place uh i mean i remember when I was in high school, I, it was when uh, like punk music was already getting kind of codified and becoming like a style. Yeah. Like I knew I could feel very and being very disappointed to understand that I had missed it, you know, like actual punk music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was kind of the, maybe the beginning of that. Now it's just in hyperdrive where everything can just get mashed together in bizarre ways. But yeah, like I went to high school with kids with, you know, like they could have Mohawks and Birkenstocks on. Yeah. You know, like those are two things that, you know, just as a visual, like as a code shouldn't go together, but they started to. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there was something there was something that you said too about like i think it is like fascinating that you i don't know if i could have imagined a world where you like have access to like every single like record that you want to you want to listen to like it's a it's a bait you know it's a bait or like long like like lost records because i can remember i don't know yeah. they're like you know there's that you mentioned phil specter earlier when you first got on there yeah. there's that phil specter dion album mm. uh Born to be with you is like a gorgeous like record. You know, there were like those, you know, holy grails of things that you would never be able to find. And yeah. now they're just there, right? Um yeah. Yeah, it's it's sort of an opposite problem. It's a pot it's a problem of like everything being available. So how do you differentiate or find anything? Because there's just so much, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So then you'd be I, yeah, you still need people that to point f- 
that you trust whoever, uh, like writers or scholars or curators, curators in the old sense, not in the stoop, not in the Pinterest, like not that you yeah, put a yeah. couple of colors together and call yourself a fucking curator. <laughs> no, like in the old way, you know, you need people that have spent time thinking and researching to point this shit out to us, you know? Yeah, I still do that too. Like, um, there was a there's a writer Edmund White like he mm. every time he gives an interview you know I'll read that interview because he's gonna he's gonna mention a couple of a couple of like books that I've never heard about before never like would probably uh, hear yeah. hear about which no no you uh, you yeah I mean we all need those people I mean I mean weirdly you know just probably by the function of being old like I, I've I encounter people. Who, for whom I am that, you know, like, yeah, because yeah. I, I've referenced to all this stuff because just because I'm old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they just get, they're amazed that like either they're jealous that I saw some band that, you know, they saw on their reunion tour, but I saw them the first time or whatever, like stuff like that. Yeah. Do you still find things the way that you used to? Cause I think I still sort of do that. Oh or, yeah. I can remember Bond. I don't know if you owned a copy of this, but the Jim Morrison biography that like you typically people think you might be a few years older than me, but yeah. Uh, no, uh, is it no one here gets years. out alive? Yeah, no one here gets out alive. That yep. book was like kind of like my Rosetta Stone for like finding <laughs> like culture. Like I yeah, the first time I'd really like because I think Van Morrison's mentioned in that book. Sure. And, uh you know our toe and like you know weird mm-hmm. french stuff that uh I'll, I'll send you a really embarrassing i'll send you my uh my page from my high school yearbook i i have a fucking a jim morrison quote on there <laughs> that's awesome yeah yeah i still uh, think jim morrison's cool though or at least i'm a doors fan I'm, i went yeah. through that phase you know where it's like all oh, the doors suck but then, then you like realize, like, no, man, like the doors, the doors are pretty fucking amazing. There's, I think, Grell Marcus, he published a book about the doors a couple of years, yeah, years ago, and there's some live stuff uh, from that book that I found that I was like, holy shit, I had no clue this. No, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's pretty fashionable among smart people to hate Jim Morrison and hate the doors, but you can't deny that the like as just as a performance or whatever like that guy was an amazing lead man like lead singer like yeah yeah his fucking lyrics are stupid but (laughs) whatever of course yeah but it's it's a rock song it's not it's not yeah he's not our maybe he thought he was our toe he wasn't our toe yeah (laughs) yeah he's a a pretentious asshole he's a pretentious asshole you know like yeah (laughs) and but things that we like you know we like you know Patty Smith or Iggy yeah. Pop or something that's respected. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like yeah. there's there's a direct correlation between what happened here and what happens what happens here. You know, there there is a link between these things. It's interesting just within like the cultural zeitgeist how certain things get respected and certain things, you know, oh for sure become guilty pleasures. And I think I think uh, the 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 re- one of the reasons that the the smart people resent jim morrison the doors is they were actually popular you know yeah i mean they, yeah. they had a really big deal career whereas you know uh the you know the velvet underground didn't yeah and yeah. 
and Iggy Pop didn't as Iggy Pop, you know, he he's very influential, but he didn't sell millions of records, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's like a brand of whatever. And I'm I'm super guilty of that most of the time. But uh, I guess Jim Morrison at least uh, have a soft spot nostalgically as a kid. Uh, yeah, I do too. Coming upon that, like like you mentioning that fucking book, and uh, that music. Yeah, I, I listened. I listened to all those records a lot yeah, <laughs> in, high, yeah. in high school. I don't know how much, but yeah, if, if something like if peace frog comes on or like LA woman, I'll listen to that. Exactly. You like, know, like, like, like those Morrison are good pop Hotel, songs. I think is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, LA, there's some songs on LA woman that like are amazing. I even like some of like the string stuff and like what the, cause they kind of get into horns on that. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the soft parade i think is the the horn album well that that big like touch me you know like that's yeah, a big, yeah. big product it's basically like an elvis song you know like yeah for sure and i think <laughs> well i think too i think you know he was a big frank you know he's a big frank sinatra sort of yeah he's he's voice. basically like a crooner you know? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like a cheeseball crooner with like these other weird poetic pretensions but <laughs> yeah yeah, I was, have, you, I was, have you seen was, that documentary? I'm talking over you here for some reason. That's have you okay. seen that documentary though that Tom DeCillo did? I think Johnny Depp narrates it about the doors. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. the it's not the best, but there was some. I have the DVD. I'm still I'm still <laughs> one of those people who are buying DVDs for a long time. But mm. I have the DVD, and there is an interview with Morrison's father on the extras oh really yes and he was and a military he was a military guy exactly right? i mean his i think his dad you know was an admiral you know at the gulf of tonkin you know like mm-hmm. you know he was at the at the inception of the vietnam war yeah you know, present and he's you can tell he's old and frail you know in this in this interview that film probably came out i don't know 2012 2011 or somewhere right somewhere around there and he's just talking about how he you know, didn't understand his son and wish, you know, it was just something really touching, like really touching about just a generational thing. Cause we're so fu- fucking hard on people, especially now. Like we're just so hard on everyone. And to think yep. that, yeah, there was a, gen- you know, there was a generational divide from, you know, from world war two era guys. And then, you know, these strange, you know, hippie children, uh that they that they raised and and yeah. it was, there was something touching and he came up there's i guess there's some latin on morrison's tomb there in mm. paris and it came from him that's where the latin oh really the latin came from you know because he had a military education you know and knew new latin yeah that yeah that makes sense but yeah i i don't know uh yeah i'm 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 not about uh sort of telling people what to like and not to like uh it all depends on what you grow up with and what what hit you for whatever reason but yeah yeah i i like hearing about what people like even if i totally disagree with them like if they truly like it for for either honest or you know fourth you know good reasons uh, they can like the biggest schlock and i'd be i'm totally into that yeah of course of course other people's enthusiasm for stuff you know what i mean well and also too sometimes like the schlock is like probably pure and maybe more artistic even in a certain like in a a certain like twisted way than even you know the so-called you know artists of the of the you know tom 
Well, yeah, like you know the way they. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I am a little bit older than you, but they used to. They had all that stuff about you know Ed Wood, like Plan Nine from Outer Space, being the worst movie of all time. It's it's hardly the worst movie of all time. Yeah, of course. And even even more than that one, it's Glenner Glenda is an amazing movie. Yeah, yeah, that? for like, sure. Yeah, it's, that that's like a fucking masterpiece. An and oral, that, yeah, there's yeah. an oral history about Ed Wood that I've read that I really love. I can't remember the yeah the person huh. who compiled it, but it's it's just an oral. It's and I want to say the Burton, you know, Tim Burton based part of that. Yeah. Uh, Ed Wood from from this oral history. Mm-hmm. And it takes him all the way up, you know, because you know he has his like porn phase there at the end yeah like orgy of the dead it's it's just like a, a yeah it's like a, a bunch of ladies going doing a slow strip tease it's really fucking boring yeah 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 he did a lot of those kind of like nudie cutie movies i think they called them you know yeah. uh, orson wells directed part of a porno film that's not surprising <laughs> yeah i guess you know his his editor i guess when he's working on the other side of the wind, his editor was taking these jobs so he could keep working for Orson for, you know, scale. Man, uh, I, doing, I, you know, I love I love that other side of the wind. It just blew me away. I, I love know, it's that. It's a beautiful film, isn't it? I, I love that movie. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I like the I, documentary that, that, that they yeah. made, too, that, yeah. that went, along, went along with it, too. I went. I mean, I went to the movie theater to see, to see other side of the wind. In oh, fact, did you? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because they showed it for like like a week or something. Uh, in fact, I think I can't remember. Maybe one of the first things I recorded for this podcast, I was trying to do like some kind of film film criticism thing. Yeah. And I got together with this guy, Don DeGracia. Uh, he's a writer. He wrote a book uh, called uh, about he like Chicago, kind of like the punk scene. It's called uh, American Skin. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a really good book. It's the only book he's ever published. But he's a right he's a professor and a writer. Hmm. And I would meet with him in like weird restaurants, and we would talk debate movies. And it didn't last very long. But I think we talked about Other Side of the Wind. Oh, that's funny. Because because it was right when it was released. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do too. But I'm a big like Orson Welles nut though too. But like I love Chimes of Midnight and I love Chimes of Midnight. It was so great. I yeah. I got to see Chimes of Midnight because so I was at yeah this was I was at Parsons my first semester of art school. I went to Parsons in New York in the fall of '89, and they showed Chimes of Midnight at the Museum of Modern Art, and it wasn't available on any form like on video. It just wasn't available. You had yeah, to go, yeah, exactly. You had to go yeah. to a fucking museum. You couldn't even go to a movie theater. You had to go to a, a movie theater in a museum to see that movie. Yeah, and that's such a great movie. Yeah, just yeah, I'm a just, I'm a big Magnificent Ambersons. Like I think Magnificent Ambersons. I like that movie better than Citizen Kane. Even. Yeah, I gotta I gotta see that again. I haven't seen that one in a while. I mean. Yeah, the problem with so many of those movies is, you know, like the, the studios hack them up. So who the fuck knows what? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Magnificent Amberson, yeah, Magnificent Amberson's, you know, that that ending's not his ending. I don't even think that ending yeah. that is on there now is even shot by him. That Robert Wise yeah. shot that. But, okay, even, yeah. but even the new ending sort of works because like the actors are kind of smirking and, yeah. and there's something like kind of dreamlike, uh, dreamlike about it. But yeah, yeah, I'll see. Yeah, like I'll see 
you know, the period, the one they, I guess they try back out at least in theaters in Chicago's Touch of Evil. They they'll put it up again. And yeah, yeah, I like Touch of Evil. Yeah. All right, but I don't know. But like everybody's a phony in that movie. You know, like everybody is very obviously play acting. And, yeah. And uh, Mr. Arkaden is another one. Like, yeah, I like all those. Yeah, yeah there's a, there's great. Speaking of Dick Cavett, there's a couple of Orson Welles, Dick Cavett episodes that I really, mm. that I really like. He tells a story about Winston Churchill, like helping mm. him helping him get funding. Like he's, I guess Churchill. I guess he was doing. He was doing a he was doing something in in London, uh, Shakespeare wise. I don't yeah. know if he was if he was doing Macbeth or you know something. Yeah. something like, but anyway, I guess he could hear somebody out in the audience it was like mouthing the words like word <laughs> word of the various speeches, and it was Winston Churchill. Oh wow! A, yeah, Winston Churchill. You know who knew these plays? You know, yeah. uh, who was uh, who was speaking them back to him? And I guess that. I guess they had a an acquaintance from that, and he had he was at some resort where church. He was with some uh, you know people that he was trying to raise money with, and Churchill sure. like bowed to him, and uh, and <sighs> he immediately got the money right because the people right, noticed yeah. that Winston Churchill had bowed and bowed to him. Do you see? I saw recently his. I think it's his last movie appearance. It's it's a Henry Jaglum movie called Someone in Love. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And he's like in the audience. He's like giving. He's basically like the narrator. Yeah, or like the, yeah. I think that might be his last movie. He's friends yeah. with Henry well, Jaglum. I think, so. So. I think that footage. I think that's the last footage shot of him too. I think Jaglum. Yeah. yeah. Jaglum got. It's weird. That's like the second time that Henry Jaglum has come up in conversation in the past. Maybe they just the posted only- it online. They posted it somewhere. That movie. Huh. It's either on that site, uh, Mubi. You know, oh, yeah. A, yeah. Either movie or criterion, which is where I watch all my movies. Yeah. Because because I'm a fucking snob. Yeah. So yeah. that's what that's where I watch everything. Yeah. See, he, <laughs> he's in another Jaglum film. I think it's called A Safe Place at Jack Nicholson's. Yeah. yeah he's in well. a couple of them. Yeah. yeah. They must he must have befriended him like late in life. I don't know. And that he yeah. that guy, those guy that guy's movies are really strange. I don't know that they're good movies, but they're really they're really interesting as a, a snapshot of For a sure. different time. And I think there's some of those in the 70s. I think they are like they get a little too talky for me. They're they start so, looking kind of cheap, too, by the time yeah. you get to the 1980s. But there's uh, my friend uh, Joseph Grantham just saw tracks with uh, with Dennis Hopper. He did. A yeah. Film with Dennis Hopper yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, holy shit. I hadn't thought of tracks in like, you know, a decade. Tracks is a great movie. Yeah, and Trax is good, and I can remember. Trax is a is a Vietnam War like it's a guy on a yeah, yeah. obviously going through like a PTSD like on a yeah. on a fucking train, yeah. but yeah, De- I mean Dennis Hopper. Yeah, he's, he's another one like Robert Mitchum. Like you just watch Dennis Hopper, and do, do anything, read the fucking phone book. Yeah, I love all. The, I love that period of like Dennis Hopper, like you know, post like. The last movie. There's a movie that I recently saw that I'd wanted to see for years called Kid Blue. It's like a western that he was in in like '73 ish. Oh, I don't know that one. I know yeah, out of the out, there's out of the blue, of course, but yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is like a western. He it was the oh. time that he did. He also did an Australian like western mm. uh, called Mad Dog Morgan. I think. Mm. 
that sounds familiar. Yeah, but it's not it's not very good. I've seen yeah. it. And I didn't like it, but Kid Blue, I was like, holy! Sh-. He kind of plays like a guy who has I don't know. He's probably has like a learning mm. sort of learning. You know, he's just a real kind of innocent sort of sort of character, and it's a western, but it's like a western circa like nineteen ten rather than you know eighteen seventy or eighteen eighty. Right. It has a really different sort of sort huh. of feel to it. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, check, I'll, I'll look that, that out. I'll look that up. Kid Blue. Yeah. Huh? But then, yeah, late. I mean, he had that great late period, of course, with you know, obviously Blue Velvet and uh, River's Edge. Yeah, and, and <laughs> Hoosiers too. I love. Yeah, and yeah, Hoosiers. Oh yeah, he's amazing he's in that. Great. He might have got an Oscar nomination. For, yeah, I think he did. Hoosiers. Yeah, I saw. We used to have a movie theater in uh, t- in the town where I grew up yeah. called the Kurt Anbury. It was the mm. guy who did it. It was the first. <laughs> It's like Kurt, you know, his kids were Curtis, Daniel, and I think Brianna. I think it was oh, Kurt and Brie. Oh, and yeah, he so matched that's, it that's, into one word. Exactly, exactly. Kind of like like uh, Harvey Weinstein, Miramax. That yeah, that was, yeah, that was their parents' yeah, names. Sure. You know, like <laughs> yeah, and and that's where. And then his sons, they became like West Virginia movie theater guys. They came to Beckley. And oh, really? Ton, ton, they have tons of theaters throughout throughout west virginia and you know if you go to their little wikipedia pay or their google mm, yeah. results you know it's like founded in right now west virginia so oh that's cool yeah huh yeah the uh i had a uh very tangential tie to dennis hopper i i was writing a thing uh, about remembering when i was in art school so yeah i went to parsons for one semester and i hated it and i transferred to the school of the art institute in chicago in 1990 and my one semester in a dorm uh, we didn't have dorms but there was a community kind of college university that had rented out like one floor to the art kids and one of the other art kids was this guy who kept talking about how his sister was married to Dennis Hopper and we just all thought he was lying but it turned out he wasn't Oh, that's hilarious. And it was some, he was married to this woman very briefly, like in the early 90s. This is the very early, like 1990. Yeah. Because I looked it up because I started, it it was a memory that came back into my head and I was using it for a thing I was writing. So then I just went down this rabbit hole, like this has got to be made up. And I tracked it down and the, the, the dates match, you know, he was married to this younger woman for a short time. And, and, I even checked the last names, you know, uh, like, sure enough. <laughs> was, I just was, watched, I just yeah. watched Collars again for the first time in a very. Collars. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Color. That was an intense movie. Yeah. It still holds up. I think it, it does. Still holds up. And, you know, there's, there's some, some of the like, you know, gangbanger stuff mm-hmm. kind of silly now. Yeah, sure. Uh, but that was a, that was a, that was a controversial movie when yeah, it came out. Like it was a really central, edgy. Yeah, colors, those central colors. performances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the soundtrack is so yeah. amazing because uh, Los Lobos is uh, opens up the yeah opens up the movie and they're driving. Colors in. was it was Ice T, right? Yeah, and Ice T. The song, the song yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when, yeah, it was uh, Robert Duvall, right? Yeah, Robert Duvall is like great in. And then yeah, well yeah, it's, it's easy. I guess it's a, it's a fucking small world, but later. Uh, there's a guy here uh, who has turned out to be Robert Duvall's nephew who opened a coffee shop in my neighborhood. 
His oh, name's God. Bill Duvall, and he was obsessed with tango, just like his uncle. Like, oh, that's funny. Like Robert Duvall is really into tango dancing. Yeah, this is one of his big passions in life. Uh, and this guy Bill Duvall was—he opened this cafe, except it was only open like odd hours around his day job. He was a carpenter. So he was open early in the morning and then like late in the evening and the daytime it was closed. Huh. And he was like, a, I don't, I don't know if he's still alive because he, I would go in there. It was around the corner from my house and he would just be passed out drunk. Oh God. You know, like, yeah, it was, yeah. a, it was a, it was one of these, like it was a fucking David Lynch movie in there all yeah. the time, you know? Yeah. But yeah, he was, you know, his name was Bill Duvall. And like, you know, I think I had to ask and sure enough, <laughs> you know, it's just, huh. Robert Duvall's nephew. I, yeah, hope I hope he's still alive. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Robert Duvall's like obsession and like fascination with Tango. I can even remember being like a teenager and seeing him. He was on a fly fishing show. I remember he was big mm. into fly fishing as well. Yeah, just like yeah. his, his like love for those things sort of uh, it seems so seems so pure. I can even remember ever <laughs> being interested. And uh, there was something that I saw here recently. I don't know if you've ever heard of. Uh, uh, they were called taxi dancers. I know what that is. Yeah. yeah. And I, anyway, I stumbled across the Wikipedia article and it just kind of blew my mind, mm -hmm. you know, in 1920 Chicago or 1930 Chicago or New York, you know, there were these dancing, these dancing clubs. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, you would a dama dance was an was an actual was an actual thing but it's i guess they still have in argentina with the pop uh with the popularity of tango dancing they still have tax it's one of the last places on earth where where taxi wow. dancers exist where you can go in and yeah. a girl will come over and you can pay her you know a certain amount of uh money and you know dance yeah if yeah if and any even remotely younger persons listening to this, they'll just be fucking horrified. <laughs> We're talking about these remote, like weird things out of ancient cultures. <laughs> this is like, we may as well be talking about the fucking Aztecs, you know, <laughs> I should, I should find, cause there was, I know exactly. There was some, but that, that's what I was also like telling Julia though. There's like these whole, you know, whole aspects of our culture that just completely you know, like disintegrate. You never hear about. Yeah. Um, and the the taxi that you know the taxi dancers hey uh, you know a, go ahead yeah don't even like lop off the the dancers i you know i co-host this like horror movie podcast that's my, one of my other things and i i do it with this writer uh publisher her name is mallory smart and she is 31 and she goes on and on about how she doesn't know how to even hail it how to order a taxi yeah, because her, yeah. people her age don't know how to do that and it causes her anxiety. Yeah. And she's talking to a person who spent 12 fucking years doing that job. You know, people <laughs> like, are doing that to him every day. <laughs> yeah. But she doesn't like she tells me about how, you know, her and her uh, fiance like came in to the airport and like there was no Ubers and she didn't even know where to find a taxi. I mean, not huh. like the taxi industry is pretty much dead, but, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I was looking at the Wikipedia article about the taxi dancer, and we mm -hmm. and we really only still know about it because the University of Chicago Press 
1932. This is this podcast is even getting better now that I'm reading Wikipedia. Hey, entries. hey, I know it's it, it. This is gonna be this is gonna be uh, on TikTok any minute now. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I I don't fucking care. Uh, the, this is, yeah, I guess yeah. The the not so secret. Like yeah, I do these for my own, my own enjoyment. I don't fucking care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. There you go. I asked a bunch of people whose work I like and I wanted to talk to them and I knew we could have a fun talk. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. There will be five weirdos that will think this is like the greatest thing ever. Well, what I was going to, yeah, what I was going <laughs> to tell you about is there's like a whole language that I guess taxi dancers would have understood. Like if you were like, if you'd found a guy and then you decided to like live with him, Mm. Uh, you would you would call that buying the groceries. So if you were saying you're buying the groceries, oh wow, <laughs> this this guy, you were living in your clandestine relationship. But anyway, um, people should check out uh, the Taxi Dancer Wikipedia because it's uh, endlessly endlessly fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are yeah. you big into horror movies too? I like, you know, I like them. So yeah, this, the, the other podcast that I do with Mallory is called that horror cast and it's, she loves horror movies. And it's, it's fun because, you know, because we're such diff- we're, you know, like a generation apart. Uh, I'm 51. She's like 31 or 32. So her frames of reference are so different. Yeah. Uh, so I, I bring her weird stuff that she's never heard of. So that's fun. And she makes me like, you know, watch scream again which I oh yeah which i don't want to do but <laughs> yeah it's fun. do you like them the, the yeah well, it's movies? funny the re- the, it's funny you <laughs> mentioned that my wife and i uh we were uh just here recently i don't even know what sent us down this path um but we've been watching a ton of like dario argento oh uh film oh my uh yeah because because i like i knew suspiria of course yeah and I yeah, knew yeah some of the earlier ones like i'd, I'd watch deep red and i remember liking mm-hmm. deep red but some of the the giallo like you know there, yeah. there's something about those 70s ones that i was just like uh whatever yeah. but we've been watching all the 80s ones and they're yeah. amazing like they're yeah. you know there's some hokey kind of funny it's like a yeah. dream you know it's a dream world but uh we watched one called phenomenon with uh jennifer Connolly. Oh yeah, from, yeah. Ni- from 1985. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the weirdest. That's one of that's the weirdest movies movie. I've ever seen. Yeah, you know what's amazing about Argento? Just recently, like a uh, couple of days ago, he's uh, starring in this movie called Vortex. Oh yeah, and the Gaspar Noé. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. I saw that it had been getting some good reviews. It's that's a that's a stunning movie. I mean. And I don't know. Have you seen that guy's other movies? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I like I like his other I like yeah. his other films. But. Me too. But yeah, I mean, he's sort of famous for be kind of like pushing the limits of taste and stuff. But this is a movie about you know basically the horror of getting old and dying. Huh. And it, it stars Argento and this this actress uh, who I hadn't seen before, but she's been in movies forever. Yeah, she's in the, she's in the Mother and the Whore. I don't exactly. I'm. I have a queued up. I found it. It's. It's really hard to find online that movie. I haven't seen it, but my friend uh, Lucy uh, Sant. Do you know? Who oh to, yes, yes, yes. I know exactly who you're talking about. Used to be Luke Sant. Uh, yeah, now yeah. now Lucy Sant. Uh, just just saw her last week. Uh, but 
that that's who recommended that movie to me because I mentioned I, I sent her a, a email or a text about the seeing Vortex. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and yeah, she's the star. Uh, something Lebrun, Lebrun, Francoise yeah. Lebrun. Yeah. Huh. And she's it's, and he does it. It's this split screen thing, which split screen I'm not usually a big fan of, but I understand uh-huh. why he had to do it. And it's, it's, it's basically there. These two old, this old couple, their perceptions as one of them is fading, losing their mind. You know, basically. Yeah. And it's, I think it's shot in his actual apartment. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure. Yeah, because I know that he had like, you know, some sort of brain. Like he had like a, some sort of cerebral hemorrhage or, or something here within the past past few years. Um, it, it's a it's a pretty stunning movie also. Yeah, because it fits I yeah, to my time of life or whatever. But I don't know. Are, are your parents still around? Because I. Yeah, I was, they're both. They're both still alive. Yeah. So I just. Uh, I was visiting Lucy because she lives in Kingston, New York, and I was coming back from Boston where my parents live and I go to see them. Uh, and uh, just watching that, like the, <laughs> the end coming kind of thing. Not, not that they're not that old, but <laughs> you know, no, it's, I know it's, what you mean. Yeah, we're closer yeah. to the end than the beginning. Let's put it yeah. that way, you know, yeah, exactly. and staring that shit in the face. And that movie is all about that. And he just pulls no punches and it's, it's scarier than anything he's ever made. I don't, oh, I think awesome. yeah. like in a very real way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I look, I look, I look forward to, I look forward to watching it. Yeah. I'd, see for a while there, mother and uh, the horror was on YouTube. I've been using YouTube. Yeah. On all kinds of, cause see there's, I don't know if you've ever watched any of them, but um, like cinema Nova, like the Brazilian films, I thought I knew something about movies. And like in the past year, I finally found all these brazilian films that i'd like never i never knew were you know out there i don't know um, if i know those so well um, oh there's there's some amazing ones i'll uh there's um throughout the 1960s and 1970s you just have these young filmmakers who are yeah. very cheaply making uh making these uh glober rocha i think is the the probably most famous filmmaker Martin Scorsese like talks about him a lot. Black God, White Devil, I think. Mm. No, yes. Antonio Desmortes is the name of another one of his films. And uh, you can kind of see, I don't know, what's that? What was that, Scorsese? Uh, Gangs of New York. You can sort of see some like Gangs of New York stuff yeah uh, in these in these westerns. But I'll I'll send you I'll send you a list of them because they're all on. Yeah, yeah, please do. but it's like the, some sort of Brazilian culture. It almost kind of looks like it's through the Brazilian government, mm. and they have all these they have all these crazy like Portuguese films that you've never heard of. That's uh, cool. That are, that are subtitled and you know everything. So, oh, that that's good to know. Yeah, I watch some. I don't watch YouTube very much, but like lately, last few years, I've been trying to uh, like brush up on Russian. Get like or keep keep up with my russian uh so i sometimes on youtube you can find stuff without sub subtitles in russian which helps me because then i i'm not reading the english yeah uh uh, some of the some of the streaming sites will let you turn off subtitles the better ones but most don't you know what i mean yeah so then yeah we just watched a soviet horror film called v i think is it's based on a, a Gogol short story 
and he wears made in like 67 and it's on it's on huh. youtube and i've oh, seen really? it on some on some list like a thousand you know oh, crazy, thousand yeah. greatest movies yeah. and it, it's 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 real tight it's only about like 70 70 minutes long or so but there's some crazy stuff in it though yeah <laughs> I mean, that's that's the stuff that the Internet's amazing for, you know, like we we can knock the Internet all we want. But it's like, you know, the greatest exactly. li- it's the greatest library ever, you know, Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and I feel only- the same way about books, too. Like, I mean, like I've yeah. just as as awful as like Amazon like is and it <laughs> continu- continues, continues yeah. to be, you know, it's um, of course, I don't shop nearly as much as I used to from, you know, Amazon, but. You know, we didn't we didn't really have a bookstore besides you know what was what was at the mall you know mm. in, in West Virginia for the uh, for the longest time and I I just keep yeah. I keep finding stuff you know yeah. did you ever speaking of which did you ever live outside of West Virginia or no nope, never have oh you never have okay I didn't uh, think so yeah that's uh, Julia see she's from California so right we all talk that when the kids get in college we'll wind up going back out that away but um oh yeah, really we'll, we'll, okay. we'll see i don't even i don't even know if i could <laughs> i don't even know if i could it's pretty cool i mean i don't know uh you know as somebody that's you know never lived in new york and you know long ago has stopped wanting to you know what i mean yeah, yeah. like the the region the stuff like the, this is what counteracts the like the the monoculture of something like the internet is like actual other places you know what i mean yeah like of course, where, you're, yeah. You're, where you're from somewhere or you spend enough time that it informs the work you do because i could never i i can't imagine at this point leaving chicago uh, i've put in a lot of time and all my frames of reference at this point are to here yeah even though i'm not from here and i'm not even from america you know but yeah yeah <laughs> uh it's it's so valuable to have that like sense of place. It's what I like. I mean, I appreciate so much about your writing. It's obviously about a place. Yeah. Uh, and it, it makes it different from other writers that are, you know, <laughs> you know, you're, yeah, not, yeah, for you're, sure. you're, you're not, you're not a, uh, the prototypical, uh, whatever wannabe writer living in slumming it in Brooklyn or whatever. Yeah, of course. And maybe that like ties back to the things that we were talking about earlier too, like Lee, Lee Marvin or Robert Mitchum. Like they felt like they were from, they felt like they were from somewhere, you know, they just didn't have this sort of Americanized sort of everything, the, everything, the same or monoculture, you know, as you, as you, yeah. say, as you say, you know, they it was like an experience there of a, of a culture that was, you know, uh, incredibly complex and different, you know, wherever, wherever they were from. Yeah. I almost want to say Lee Marvin was a California boy. I might be wrong about that. He yeah. I don't a, know. I don't know. Where Western Lee Mar- boy. I want to say. I'm so. not sure where Lee Marvin's from. He did film that. Did you ever see uh, M squad? That, uh, that TV. No. It was a TV show that was, you know, alleged it was supposed to be, shot is like a like a hard bitten it was kind of like a i don't know it's a cop show basically it's in yeah. black and white and they shot exteriors totally illegally in chicago but it was obviously shot on studio lots and stuff but it's pretty fun oh that's so funny but yeah i have a friend uh a, cl- a former classmate from art school who 
who runs a site called Chicago Screenshots, and he just sh shows the like the built environment, the just the backgrounds of movies and TV shows, and and where and the locations, but just for Chicago. And, yeah, and, yeah. So yeah, he he showed a bunch from like M Squad that were like in and they totally shot guerrilla style on the street you know oh, and it's crazy it's uh lee marvin walking around being in like a hard-bitten cop you know yeah. on the streets of chicago in like the whatever the 50s or 60s <laughs> how old how old were you when you came to the united states because you were born in 70 in i was born Soviet in the union weren't you yes yeah. I, I'm, I'm from the evil empire yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I tell yeah. people, yeah, it's my whole line, all my stock line. I'm from a country that no longer exists, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it really isn't. And like, in, well, now with the this fucking insane Ukraine war, people like will ask me like what I think of it. Like, I, I don't have any fucking allegiance to that crazy ass country. Yeah. Like yeah. maybe people will understand why I've never been tempted to go back because they see writ large what that country's always been yeah like this this kind of craven kind of like aggrieved feeling that they've been wronged that, that they want to be restored to a former glory that never was yeah. it just never was you know and yeah they had like a few years of like these genius writers but other than that it's a fucking shithole you know and yeah, I, just, I just i just read uh a bulgakov novel that i'd never read called white guard which is said mm. he yeah uh, is the and i didn't realize too there's there was all the um, a ton of you know russian literature through there but uh i think bob dylan on his mother's side is mm. from odessa like odessa that makes sense Jews of odessa i think his mother's side i believe yeah uh that's not surprising yeah uh, yeah I'm, i've actually been I, i've been carrying around i stole uh my dad's uh, paperback copy of the master and Margarita in Russian. And I, I carry uh, it around and try to read it every now and then I read books. I, it's only, yeah. Last few years I've been trying to read books in Russian. Yeah. He's, he's like a Mikhail Bulgakov is like a fascinating writer to me. Cause he's almost like a different writer. Like each book that you read <laughs> feels like it's from almost like a completely different, a completely different writer. Cause yeah, you know, he's, I haven't you know, read those other. The only one I'm familiar with is Master and Margarita. Yeah, uh, you should you should check out his. Uh, he has a book of short stories called uh, "A Country Doctor's Notebook." I think is usually how it's mm. translated, and those are some of the best short stories ever written. Like I'm yeah. serious. Uh, and then there's another book of his that I use that I love that I've loved for years that New Directions put out, and it's a biography of Moliere. Oh wow. Yeah, and I stole a bunch of stuff from yeah. that book when I did the Sarah book. There's a bunch oh, of really? <laughs> a bunch of stuff that I stole from there, just like little narrative things. Yeah, that he that he that he does throughout, and then, and it's like a biography, like it's almost yeah, yeah but it's sort of an imaginative biography. It's one of the it's one of the great books too. Yes, thinking yeah about Moliere the other day. Why was I thinking about him? Oh, I, I was re so I just actually today earlier this afternoon finished uh this book called the marvel universe by bruce wagner do uh -huh. you ever read him no no bruce never wagner. have do you know who he is he's that he's, name sounds familiar he wrote a book called dead stars which is pretty amazing and then uh cronenberg 
his Cronenberg's last movie, Maps to the Stars. That's is what. Based, that's that's where. I, that's where. That's I his screenplay. Yeah. That's his whole thing that. is this kind of trash Hollywood culture. Yeah. And so his last book is called The Marvel Universe, and his publisher wouldn't publish it, so he just put it out as a PDF to the public domain. There's a website where you can just get it. I think I might have seen an article about that. And uh, I guess uh, some uh, book soup in L.A. uh, printed out. So he just told people they could just make their own like print on demands. Oh, that's a great idea. Uh, And I didn't get I just I just finished reading the PDF, which I hate reading on a screen, but I did it for this book. It's a great book. Uh, But uh, I was talking to somebody about that guy and he's, you know, he's sort of outrageous and he crosses all these lines that we're not supposed to cross these days. And he uses all these real people like Kanye West in is, is in it, Billy Eilish, all these real people. Hmm. And he's totally making fun of them. But underneath it, he's totally like this, like old school moralist, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. Moliere, like some like it's it's like it's Tartuffe, you know, like it's yeah, like yeah. These, these fucking monsters, you know, that are like outrageous. But underneath that, that is a, a very firm kind of very old fashioned moralism, you know, <laughs> like yeah. a morality that is not, I don't know, is unfashionable in a different way. You know, yeah. well, I, think, I, th- I think, too, I think there's a new translation through the modern library of Rich- Richard Wilbur's, I want to say, translation of. I don't know if it's like the complete Moliere. Oh, yeah, it's it's, it's like, like a two. I just read it's either yeah. in the New York Review of Books or somewhere they were talking about that Richard Wilbur thing. Yeah, I think it's just recently because I saw it on uh, yeah. Amazon. I'm coming yeah. off as like a big Amazon guy. Yeah, well, here. Yeah, Amazon. Come on, Bezos. Give, give me some fucking money for this podcast. Nobody will listen to. There you go. Yeah, I won't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I steer clear of Amazon because I tried. So I've, I've self-published my last three books and I've designed them, found the printers, did everything, you know? Yeah. And they're all like, I'm, I, I'm doing the opposite of print on demand. They're all hardcovers and they're signed and numbered limited. Oh, that's editions. great. Yeah, that's great. But I tried to just, just, just to try it out, I, I did like an Amazon storefront thing and they just, it's a death of a thousand cuts. Yeah. They put, yeah. They, they, they charge you whether you sell anything or not. And they like put me in like nine marketplaces worldwide and each one of them takes a fucking monthly fee. Yeah. Like whether you make yeah. a sale or not, the fuckers. So I, uh, I do my best not to, not to fuck with Bezos and his, right. his empire. Yeah, if I can it's, avoid it's it. Kinda, it's hard. It's kinda, yeah, and it's kind of wild too the way that you know. I guess we saw it with um, music, and I guess you know, television and film are undergoing the same sort of thing. But it's kind of wild to to think about you know publishing or what what even publishing is, and you know, I have no idea what it is, uh, and I'm sort of. I don't like think I, anyone does. To be no, nobody knows what it is, uh, and the only time they have any use for me is when I'm reviewing one of their books. You know. Yeah. But yeah. I can't. You know, I've never had an agent. I can't get any of them to even look at my shit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think it helps that I'm older and I have a perspective on it that's different. Like I didn't have any dreams of becoming whatever, like making actual money at it. Yeah. But it's 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 still discouraging. <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course. You know, well, you know, you work you work on these things, and you know, you want 
you want someone to read them, you know, at the for sure. You know, but at the end of the day, yeah, there, yeah, there, there are paths forward. I mean, yeah, I talked uh, to Sam Pink. I, I met him finally. Yeah, I, 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 and he like has reissued all his old books himself. He and he's just selling them. You know? Yeah, no, and he's selling thought, his artwork. Yeah. Those. yeah, yeah. He he lives in a small town in Michigan, and he's just doing his thing. Yeah, he, he's sort of a he's a unique individual. That guy. Oh, for sure, for sure. And no. I, I had all this... my all my Chicago like I have so many Chicago memories. They're usually all tied up, you know, with doing a doing a reading with you know Sam and, and yeah in Chicago because yeah. Chicago was kind of different than or at least at that point because you know I I hung around enough where I could also see that it was kind of clicky and you know mm-hmm. but you know when when you first start like those bookstores like I didn't I just had a shitty like you know print on demand like press sort of book and you know you could you could book a reading you know which wasn't which wasn't popular in a, yeah <laughs> or possible I should say in a in a lot of places yeah i'm yeah but i missed him like i missed him when he was here i didn't know him yeah uh, what finally like what finally got me uh to kind of like track him down is that whole thing with that that uh that fuckboy book you yeah know? yeah all yeah. that shit that went down and he he wrote that long essay about yeah. it i was like hmm well, <laughs> I went to visit him and we had like, we cooked steak by this like, like river, this lake. It was, it was kind of amazing. It was oh, kind of an awesome. amazing day with yeah. like, and yeah, he's, he's like a real deal. Like he just does his own thing. Yeah. And I think also, you know, <laughs> uh, the even some of like the, like periods of like literature that like I'm interested in, you know, we talk about the Soviet Union, but I don't know, like um, Czech literature, you know, Vaclav Hav, you know, where they were just, they were yeah. exchanging manuscripts, you know, and there would be, there would be a manuscript or two of, you know, mm-hmm. a partic- of a particular novel in 1967. And yeah, I mean, uh, that was, that was the literary community. That was the literary culture, you know, of that place at that time. Yeah, I Almost guess kind of medieval in a way, you know, well, like a monastery sort of example. Of... Yeah, uh, I guess, you know, I was uh, it was fated for me to get involved in this like writing thing, because that, I mean, that's what my parents did. My parents had those fucking Samas dot printed books that were banned, you that's know, that would pass around. Our, our apartment was raided by the fucking KGB looking oh for that God. shit. Oh, that's amazing, Dimitri. They used to, they told me they, they hid that crap in like my crib, you know, oh, <laughs> like, like, yeah. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah. So uh, it was just, yeah, I guess I was meant. And weirdly enough, like I went back through stuff and, you know, like when in third grade, like we're like asked to write our autobiography. Right. I have this little book that was an auto, my autobiography in third grade. And, you know, you end up like interviewing your parents, basically. And in my future, in the future chapter, I was going to be an artist and writer, like in third grade. But then I didn't write anything ever, like aside from homework assignments until I was 30, you know, and I had these, all of these experiences from driving a cab for three years, just eating at me that I couldn't just do an art. And that's, that's what made me have to try to write something. Yeah, that, that weird fucking job. Yeah, it's it's weird too. Like even you know if you 
you write it down like that, sometimes I think you can like make the future happen just by where you don't even realize, you know, you're just a kid and you're not even thinking of it. Well, uh, the, the artist thing, I mean, I, I was always drawing like I don't. Yeah, you were always ever, drawing that. I was yeah. the kid in school. I was the only kind of cred I had in grade school. Like I could draw stuff, you know, yeah. I didn't have any friends really, except for like when they wanted me to draw something. But the when, writing, when did you when did you first start driving a tax cab? Uh, let's see, I graduated from the School of the Art Institute in uh, the spring of 93, and I moved back to Boston for some unknown reason. <laughs> it was a yeah. mistake. It was a mistake. But uh, so, yeah, the by the fall, of, I stayed at my parents' house for a couple of months and I needed a job. And I looked in the paper in the Boston Globe in the classifieds and I just learned to drive. I learned to drive when I was 22 and at huh. 20 at 23, I became a cab driver yeah uh, so it was like you know zero to a thousand like whatever like in, so in 90 93 as a 23 year old i became a cab driver it was my huh. first job out of art school huh. yeah uh and i did that for about three years i tried to go to grad school for painting and dropped did one semester dropped out didn't want to be a teacher so like yeah yeah i went to indiana university in bloomington and i hated it i hated <laughs> it i hated it so much <laughs> I'd never, I'd never lived outside of a city, and I had nothing. Yeah, to, that's I, had like, no, yeah. I had nothing to paint. It was so fucking wholesome, and there's so many trees, and I fucking hated it. And all they cared about was basketball, you know, like yeah, yeah. Everybody uh, wearing their fucking IU sweatshirts. Uh, I went to the town dump and like set up my easel, like trying to do paintings of the dump, you know, um, just to have something. Yeah. Uh, but I got really depressed and I tried to, I was going to stick it out a year, but I had a teacher that said like, look, if you're not, you should just leave. And he yeah. was right. And I went back to Boston and went back to driving a cab and then got fed up in with Boston was reminded of everything I hated about that city. Yeah. I've and moved I've back only, to Chicago. Yeah. In 97. I've, Boston. I've never, I've never cared. I've only been there once or twice, but it's I, a ter terrible place. Yeah. But I can remember <laughs> I was doing a reading Mm -hmm. And I had like the street, but mm -hmm. I had, I gave it to the cab, but yeah. the cab driver's yeah. like, no, like all the street, you have to tell me if it's south yeah. or what. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't it's, know. It's a mess. Well, the joke is that like the streets were laid out the way the cows wandered away from Boston Common. There's not a straight street and they're all one way and not the way you need it to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yes, that that's, that's when I first drove a cab and then. Moved back here in 97 and worked, you know, worked restaurants, delivered food, worked at an art supply store and that got fed up with all those bartended, went back to driving a cab in 03 and did it yeah. until 2012. Huh. And my first book was put out by University of Chicago Press in 2011. Oh, gracious. And huh. so my, my uh, quote unquote you know, pub writing career is all bass backwards. I had this, yeah. I had this charmed experience where they came to me to publish a book. There's somebody there that had heard of, I had a blog, you know, yeah. and I, I did zines about being a cab driver, you know, and this, oh. this guy pitched it to them. And I, that was basically my writing or grad school because I learned about editing. I'd, I'd never been edited by anybody. You know, yeah. I've, I've never taken a writing class in my life still. And they taught me all that stuff and it was pretty great. And that book got some notice. And I thought that that could lead to 
like getting an agent, getting something, it led to nothing. It led to me publishing like the second cab book with a indie press that turned out to be run by a crook. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so a crook that was, you know, by sued by many more successful writers off that yeah. press. <laughs> uh... Uh, it, yeah, so it led to nothing, and then it led eventually to me just publishing my own books. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think I think that's interesting because I mean I think we're also at a time too where I don't think people even necessarily know what a book is either. No, no and especially don't. now, like I even like a typical novel, you know, to come across that, it's like why would you, why would you write this? You know, sometimes I think because it's just yeah. it's this little container of you know it's this little product that yeah. is consumable and and uh, <laughs> I've been reading. Um, Sir Robert Burton from the 17th century has anatomy of melancholy. Wow. <laughs> and it's just this, it's just this thousand page book on his obsession with melancholy. Cause he, be, he was from, you know, the humorous age where they believed, you know, it was black bile, yellow, you know, you had yellow bile, yeah. phlegm and blood and, you know, melancholy essentially, I guess was black. Do you want to talk some more or, or, or are you spent? I'm, I'm about probably spent. I don't know how much I yeah, yeah. have. Do you have enough, you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd love. Yeah. We should talk again sometime anyways. But uh, yeah, let, let's wrap it up because, yeah, like, yeah. Zoom wants money again from oh, me. Yeah, so. I see that. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So, so so let's wrap it up. But uh Shit, thank you so much. Oh, uh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And I'll I'll staple this together and get something out of it. So yeah, it'll it'll air sometime in August at this point. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Sounds but yeah, good. let's yeah. keep in touch and yeah, tell me about those the Brazilian movies and stuff. Yeah, and, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll, I'll get you I'll get you an email together and shoot it off to you. So but yeah, let's keep in touch. This is this is great. This is a lot yeah, of fun. We should good. do that. We should do this more, like not yeah. even not even for other people. Yeah, I might get your <laughs> if you have uh, from from Lucy the the link to Mother and Whore. I might I might get that from you too. Oh, I'll send it to you. He didn't. Uh, she didn't send it to me. I, I found it. it. The only place I found it was on archive.org. You know well, that I site. Saw. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Well, I saw the other day though. I think it was on the Criterion. Maybe it was on Criterion or Movie One. Um, Dave or Janice, I think maybe Jan. Somebody's acquired all of those films because okay, I think yeah. it was the son of that Jan Ustache or however you say his name. Yeah, yeah. Kind of kept him from being seen, and okay. I guess somebody is finally because there's another movie that he made after that called uh, Impossible Loves or something. Mm. It's about little kids, like you know your oh, first yeah. crush type type movie, and I've always wanted to see that. It's but. crazy that anything's just not available. Like, these people are holding out for a payday that's never going to come. You know? Yeah, like, I know. You just put exactly. the shit out and try to make some money off of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Uh, yeah, let's let's stay in touch. And uh, Okay, sounds good. Take care, man. Alright, we'll talk to you later, Demetri. Bye. Bye.